This is the Sound the Foghorn Podcast. Cut off by Mata, throws it out front, Dumba scores! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, notes, and much more. Fiala's in for Minnesota. Fiala cuts to the middle. Wait, scores! Greenway in. Saved by Miska. Rebound. Erickson. They score! Jordan Greenway beats Miska. And poked away Kaprizov. In for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill. Now, here are your hosts. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyak. And Justin Buck. Hello, and welcome into a very special Sound the Foghorn. Today we are going to go over tons of awards both on an NHL and Minnesota Wild level, but a little bit to do before we get to that. So let's check in here. Brett Marshall joined as always by Zeke Boyat and Justin Baki. Zeke, how are you doing on this Thursday evening? Uh, doing good. Uh, you know, like, like you must saw, most people saw on Twitter last week, uh, I got to go to the game on Monday, which was really fun. Uh, you know, just uh, been a lot of fun hockey to watch. I got a couple weeks left in my semester in college this year so uh and just happy to be here uh, excited for the show tonight see what uh, all listeners out there have voted for in the awards but yeah no i'm doing good and justin what about you doing good it's been kind of a long day between work and getting the kids to bed took a couple hours to get them to bed tonight for some reason but uh you know that's how it goes sometimes uh just you know excited to talk about the last week and then get into these dig into these awards yeah, it should be fun. I finally was able to get my COVID vaccine yesterday, uh, kicking my ass a little bit today. I feel like I, I told you guys before the show, I feel like I did mm-hmm. like a full body workout for two hours. <laughs> and now like, cause my whole, like I'm just kind of sore and kind of tired. Like I don't feel sick. Yeah. It's like oh, yeah. just worn down. But the good news is I got the vaccine, which is sweet. Um, and speaking of good news on the front, um, it was announced today that for the start of the playoffs, um, Excel Energy Center will be bumped up from 3,000 to 4,500 fans, which is pretty freaking sweet. And um, it sounds like should they advance deeper into the playoffs into late May, that number could continue to go up potentially even into the you know the 10,000 range. So pretty cool stuff there um, to get just bigger fans in front of, um, you know, behind that team who seems to just thrive on home ice. And you, I could imagine just more real fans in that building could mm-hmm. only only help them only help them more. Yeah, uh, no more piped-in crowd noise, and then it'll be great to hear actual fan. Like, the roof is going to blow off that place in some of these games that, you know, like last game, Kaprizov scoring those two goals, that place would have just went bonkers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Great. Yeah, and speaking of the piped-in crowd noise, I know you guys have both had a chance to go to a game now, but I just remember one of the games I went to, I think it was the most recent one, I couldn't help but laugh because was, it was in, like, the first period, so maybe the, the soundboard mm-hmm. guy was just kind of – kind of waking up or whatever but there was a, like a shot by the wild from the point and it got tipped and it went wide 
and it had to have been, I kid you not, at least three to four seconds later. Like the piped in crowd noise of like the oh like came in. And I'm like, yeah. oh man. Yeah, it's it's uh, I didn't notice it too much when I was there, but I know uh from especially watching baseball, like uh another thing too, like then there's just a bloop single, like the noise would go nuts and it's just like and just like the example you said, it's uh it's it's very awkward because it doesn't stop, it's like constant, but yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we have some stuff to get to before we get to awards. Uh, Justin, we'll go to you first. You have just a very short uh, prospect update for us as uh, seasons continue to wrap up. Yeah, basically the only uh, prospect in action outside of Iowa is uh, Adam Beckman in the WHL. He was the WHL Player of the Week this past week. He has seven goals, one assist in the last four games, including two hat tricks, so he's really starting to find his groove again. That seems pretty good. Uh, yeah, that's that's okay. <laughs> and then uh, congratulations. Damon Hunt and Ryan O'Rourke have signed their entry-level contract with the Wild as of today. So um, it'll be good to see them continue to grow and, and uh, develop. So that that's about it for the the prospect update this week. Yeah, just really excited to have, you know, two good defensive prospects not named Kellen Addison in the system now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Ryan O'Rourke has, you know, the, the numbers haven't necessarily popped off the score sheet. I think it's whatever, seven points in, I think, 28 games. But, mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that he's been able to play in Iowa the whole year and really hasn't looked out of place for mm-hmm. an 18-year-old, that's that's really, really good. So I'm excited to see what he can do. And, of course, we've seen Damon Hunt tear up the WHL on the power play from the Mike Hoffman spot on the, on the right yeah. circle and everywhere else. So really excited to see what those guys can do and, uh, you know, obviously Beckman, just that guy, you know, a little bit of a slow start. And then ever since then, just absolutely taken. Yeah, he's he's up to over a point a game <laughs> again, finally. <laughs> Closing in like two points per game off point. Yeah, it's something like 24 and 18 games or something like that. I'd have to look, but Some McDavid numbers. He's, he's got a few <laughs> games left to go. He's got about a month left in the season or so. Tons of time to go. Yep. All right. Well, let's get right into things here. Um, before we get into awards, um, you know, we originally, I think, planned just to do awards, but it's impossible not to talk about the uh, stretch of games the Wild had over the last week here since we last recorded. Um, did we do a, was it a Friday show last week or did we do a Thursday? Yeah, it was, it was Friday, Friday. Yeah, because yeah, you were at the I was game at, on Thursday. I was at, yeah, I was at the game Thursday, so. Yeah, and since then, the Wild decided that um, no third period comeback was was too challenging for them. Nope. Um, as they uh, battled back, not once, not twice, not three times, but four times from a third period deficit. Three times, two goals, and two times out of those four, they ended up winning the game. Just, just an impressive stretch. I want to talk. Do you guys want to talk about either the St. Louis games, or or do you want to just move ahead to Vegas? Because I think that's where the, all the fun is. Let's dig yeah. into Vegas. Okay. Same here. All right, so let's talk about Vegas. That game on Monday night, I kind of pondered it over late Monday into Tuesday because the adrenaline from that game was just through the roof. Mm-hmm. That might be a top five Minnesota Wild game all time. Yeah, yeah, I that mean, it was insane. Yeah, it, like yeah, it was just uh, it, it was just great, and uh, it's like the the thing about it is, you know, like we said with this team now, you just you're almost surprised. It's going to be surprised now if they don't come back when they're down by multiple goals and. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously being there, it was just even better in person because, uh, you know, it's again, it's it's different in person and all that. And you can you see everything I have in front of you and just the uh, 
just I mean, for obviously, you know, they had four goals, four goals combined in the first like seven and a half minutes. Uh, it was, you know, a constant uh, goal scoring and not a lot of defense in that game compared to yesterday, obviously. And, you know, the goaltenders weren't as great, but it was just a, it was just a, you know, a great game. That's the kind of game if, uh, you know, if people like we were talking about earlier, if you want to get into hockey, that's the one you want to watch just because the shot was just back and forth, which, you know, at times you don't really love seeing the wild try to play that way, but uh, it's just amazing. And I realized this, that, you know, you realize that they have the guys that, you know, they can handle playing that way now more. And it's just really fun to see. Yeah. It's, uh, you don't want to continue to do it that way, but the (laughs) fact that, uh, it, it seems like when we pull our goalie yeah. lately, it's been a given that we're going to score a goal and come back. And, and Brardine scoring that game-winning goal within the last oh. minute on top of it. And both teams oh, having to pull their goalie all in the same like minute and a half was just mm-hmm. insane. I, I was losing my mind. I was trying not to be loud because my kids were sleeping, <laughs> but I was just losing my mind in the living room. <laughs> it's just insane, too. All of a sudden, the goalie gets pulled, and Kevin Fiala's like, oh, time to have the primary assist. Like, yep. I think on I think on three of the four empty net goals the Wild scored. I think about in three straight he had the primary assist. Like, hmm. just weird. It, they definitely missed him last night, especially in overtime. But I mean, you just look at that game on Monday. Kevin Fiala makes it a one goal game. And then who else but Kirill Kaprizov ties the game. And yeah, that and was then a, yeah. you know thirty seconds later, Jonas mm-hmm. Brodin of all people. Just rips a clapper in from the point. Jimmy Clappers as Matt Dumba <laughs> called on Instagram. If you don't follow Matt Dumba on Instagram, you have to. You better. Because these nicknames and the just the all this shit that he t- like it's not shit talking, but like he just like kind of teases all the all the players and just always has like funny videos and stuff of just other players. Mm-hmm. And it's just you can just tell that awesome. dude is loved in the locker room like to the ends of the earth. Mm-hmm. I think I need to hit up Instagram more than I, I do. But it, do you, can you guys believe that Brodine has nine goals this year? I, I mean, that's I think four of them might be empty netters. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> even even the even five though would be a yeah. lot for him considering his career so far. But he's a yeah no I just he's the other guy that aside from Kreisov he might be my favorite player just because uh you know just the, the way he skates like we said before just the way he skates and seeing the offense. Uh, come out is really nice but you know on that uh on that first vegas game i just want to get back there too when brett was talking about fiala also on the tying goal he was the one who kind of pinched up in the offensive zone and pushed for that puck and got the first shot off which led to the rebound and i just mm-hmm. think that was also really a just just a, just a great play and you know but yeah no like you said it was a, yeah, awesome game just really entertaining so yeah it's, I will... been, it's yeah no it's been really fun to see him just like mm-hmm. him and Eric Snack have almost done kind of the same transformation from this, you know, notable oh on you know on this all defense guy with no offense, and this mm-hmm. year they've both just kind of been like, nah, we can do it, mm-hmm. we we can do it all. Yeah, right. And I mean, hasn't he been hasn't he been uh, killing penalties too the last like month or so? I believe so. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah, is, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, which is I wouldn't have thought that a couple months ago. So it was crazy. Chime in here, quick. I've got Vancouver and Edmonton on in the background here as you're recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to the the, sh- the shot clock and the score, uh, Vancouver has four goals on three shots. <laughs> and Miko Koskinen has been pulled from the game. Mm, so it might yeah. be four goals on four shots, but not great. What I, the hell? Like, it's time I'm for McDavid wonder. to go into beast mode so he can get to 100. That's the only reason yeah. I have this game on. I know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Unless yep. maybe uh, one of uh, Edmonton's players knocked a goal in or something, and that's 
just doesn't count as a shot or something. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yep. It's crazy. You know, I was looking at this box score, that six to five game. I mm-hmm. couldn't believe how many people had multi point games. I know, it's like yeah. everyone's pitching in. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. Benino, Fiala, Brodin, and Spurgeon and Caprisov all had multiple multiple point games. Mm-hmm. And there was multiple others with one point. So it's good to see everyone chipping in. Well it's uh it's crazy, uh, the amount of two or three point games Benino has this year because that's what he's been doing is scoring yeah. his points and clusters. I'm looking right now, one, two, three, four, five. Five two or more point games for Benino. Hmm. And that all since April 13th. Yeah. Easy. Turning it up at the right time. Yeah, no, he's been good. Because I remember with the end of the year, uh, you know, everyone was calling him a black hole of offense. And it was, uh, although I think most of that was, to be honest, because he was played in a role too high for his uh, skill set. But yeah, no, he's yeah. been good. Yeah, I have it as he's got 12 points in this last 12 games. Hmm. With five game games, like just nice. damn good. Yeah, he's in it, and it's never like you watch Benino when he has these like multi-point games. You're like, wow, Nick Benino was just all over the place. It's just like, yeah, now nah, he's in front of the net and one bounced off his ass and went in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, there was a pass from behind the net that hit his skate and came right to his yeah. stick. Like it, it just seems he's just constantly just always in the right spot. Which, hey, nothing wrong with that. But he's you know just made the most of. Mm-hmm. Being in the right spots and playing with good players, and always won some big faceoffs and stuff too as of late. So, yeah, oh yeah, sure. I think uh, I mean Talbot's been good all year, but he's had a a few rough starts here the last week or so. Yes, yeah, he has. it's been not his best goaltending as of late. Uh, last night even was a little better, but yeah. I will. Uh, I will say the thing about him, uh, you know, especially in that first game. You know, he wasn't great. Obviously, five goals. But uh, the one thing that he has done in a couple of these games, and even at the end of last night, is he did make. A, you know, third period, he made a couple of big saves to keep them within one, including the one on uh, Alex Tuck, uh, point blank, right before. So you know, he he does. He has still made. Uh, you know, he's been good enough to keep them in games. But uh, that's definitely going to be a thing. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, if he starts either the two games against Anaheim here this weekend, because right. Obviously, uh, that's not a very good team, and uh, you know maybe they. I, I mean, I, don't know. I think people just gotta uh, probably just accept the fact that he's gonna play majority of the games, regardless. Uh, you know, right. he's a starter, so. Yeah, I would imagine Kakinen's gonna start at least two of the next. What do they have? Four left. Yeah, yeah. Five left. Two Anaheim. Two Anaheim. Two St. Louis. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if Kakinen starts two of those. Mm-hmm. I mean, also, Agreed. I think you just you no know, tell, but you know, play has played well, but just hey, take a day off. Yeah, right. You got the playoffs coming. Each- they're going to be tough games. Take a couple of days off. We'll, we'll play Kakinen. Because you don't want, you know, all of a sudden the other thing is you want Kakinen to be somewhat fresh in the event something does happen to Talbot where, you know, he gets mm-hmm. injured in a game or something. You don't want Kakinen coming in and not having played in however many weeks. Yeah, because I know, I know he's, uh, I can't remember what podcast I listened to, I think yesterday, but someone, they said he started, I think, in the last month he started three games and Talbot has started ten. So ever since that nine-to-one game in St. Louis, so, which... You know, it wasn't good, but yeah, no, he, he does need to get in there for a little bit, for sure. All right. Any other uh, wild-related things you guys want to hit on before we get into uh, awards? No, I, I just want to say um, 
I love Moose and Kaprizov so much. Oh. <laughs> I love that uh, we have a star player that. Night. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that we have a star player that can stand up for himself, and oh, yeah. you know, it, it was it was great to see when Hag took that cheap shot at, at Kaprizov. Basically, the whole line that was on the ice just stood up for him, even though he yeah. didn't need it. Yeah, it, it, like imagine being Nick Hag and you hit Kaprizov, and all of a sudden you've got Marcus Foligno and Jordan Greenway just rumbling towards you. I'd shit my pants. <laughs> like that's like twelve, like almost thirteen feet, like five hundred mm-hmm. pounds of human coming right at you. I know. And like I just liked his uh, look on the face when the refs were pulling the uh, Foligno out of the pile. He's just like expletive, 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 right? Oh, he was face, like, screaming. Yeah. yeah, he was red hot. Yeah, and uh, well, you. Uh, Justin, you had some pretty good uh, memes over on the countdown page too, with uh, Kaprizov taking White Cloud down. So that was pretty funny. Appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> that was a I good last. That was a good one. Put them out there as they come to my head. Yeah. <laughs> White Cloud learned the hard way about. Uh, yep. Hey, I'm not gonna fuck with Kaprizov anymore. No, right. not at all. Yeah, and I think uh, we'll get to this in a minute, but uh, I I think Kaprizov's performance in the last two weeks and the the timely goals and the highlight real goals he scored lately have pretty much put any sort of Calder debate to rest. Oh yeah. Agreed. Yeah. You know what? So let's, let's start there. Uh, we're going to get into our trophy voting now. So as if we were members of the PWHPA and whoever else votes on all these awards, I don't even know off the top are. of my head. Um, if we got votes, these would be where they'd go. I did my very best to stay unbiased <laughs> um, and vote seriously, but I don't. I don't think any bias came through anywhere in here. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I have legit backing for any time I did pick a wild player or coach. Um, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but let let let's start with the Calder. So um, Kaprizov has to be one now. It's the, yeah. I mean, th- th- there may have been a debate, whatever, whenever that was, two and a half, three weeks ago, and then Kaprizov's like, "LOL, watch this." Yeah. Yep. You know, I mean, I just think that, you know, obviously uh, it's kind of funny how uh, the the salt and the denial seals seems to be around the Dallas, some of the Dallas fans around and how obsessed they were with this whole, uh, you know, the whole caller thing. But uh, no, I, I agree. I think, you know, I think this, I think I saw yesterday that he has 12 third period goals, mm-hmm. like like half of his goals. And, and I mean, like, like Rich mentioned with the two yesterday, like they weren't just, a lot of them aren't just, you know, just a, a random goal when they're down five to one with five minutes left, like they're tying the game or getting them the lead or, or, you know, getting them back to the game single-handedly on his own. So I just, yeah, I, I agree with you. And also the fact that uh, uh, he's got 26 goals and the seventh in the league this year, I think is, uh, you know, just uh, speaks a lot really. And I, and, and I think goals are just, for me at least, I just valued them more than having just more assists. So. Yeah. It's, um, <clears throat> what was I going to say? I mean, it seems like Dallas fans try harder to justify why he shouldn't get it than why Robertson should get it. It's kind of funny, but mm-hmm. anyways, I'll add to it in saying that uh, on top of the 12 third-period goals, uh, 22 of his 47 points, I think that's what I counted, is has been in the third period or overtime, and, huh. and a lot of them have been you know, game-time, game-winning points. And I thought it was pretty interesting that Ever since uh, Ovechkin averaged point six four goals in 2006 as a rookie, uh, Kaprizov, basically there's since the late 90s, there's only been two players that have been 
you know, above Kaprizov's 0.5 goals a game average. So that's yeah, pretty awesome. Move it out to 30 too. years. Uh, Merrick Svatos, Pavel Bure, Alexander Ovechkin, Eric Lindros, and Timu Solani are the other players oh. in the last 30 years playing over 50 games that have averaged a half a goal per game. That's pretty uh, that's pretty good company. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, <laughs> com- that's Hall of Fame company. <laughs> yep. I had and one it's... more thing I wanted to pull here as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I'll just, I will just say while you're thinking about that, I just, uh, you know, just to close my thoughts out, I just, uh, you know, you know, I, I think the whole, we've been over it a million times, but whenever I see comments that go, well, you know, if he's, he's not a real rookie and, you know, that's just, it really, even though it shouldn't, it really just kind of pisses me off. It's like, well, you know, the rules are the rules. And if he's under the age of 26 or whatever, then he's a rookie. So we can just, uh, like we just said, we can, it's not really a debate anymore. So I don't know why you mentioned that, but it's not. Nah, he meets the requirements and that's all that matters. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he does. 94 for McDavid. He's now six away. Just picked <sighs> up an assist. Uh, speaking of assists Wait. too, um, if you want to move just to another category outside of goals, if we move into primary points, Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov on the year, 47 points. 40 of them are primary, <laughs> meaning he's either scored the goal or had the primary assist. Um, if we see. look at Jason Robertson, who has 42 points. Three, I think he's yeah, right around there. Uh, only 35 of them are primary points. So, And hmm. he's had, as of late, especially a lot of kind of, uh, have we've, as we've said in the group chat, uh, Mickey months. Mouse secondary assists. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know, another pretty insane stat. I'm kind of jumping off topic, but Austin Matthews hit his 40th goal today too. That's that's another pretty oh, it is. crazy accomplishment in a shortened season. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, well, uh, I'm sure we'll uh, mention him here in a little bit. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, and how about how about one more uh, Kirill Kaprizov stat? This one from our friend uh, Tony Abbott of 10krinks.com. Uh, this was going into last night. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov entered tonight with 5.8 expected standings points above replacement over an 82-game pace. That's 9.3, which would be the 10th best season of all players 23 and under in the analytics era, which starts in 2007. Wow. Hmm. So He's pretty, pretty good, good, that uh, yeah. Kirill Kaprizov guy. Yeah, pretty damn good. All right, that said, so a unanimous pick at one uh, is Kaprizov for all three of us. Is it Robertson at number two for each of you? Yes, it is for me. Hear that, Wait, Stars? Who do, you have, who do you have at number two? Sorry. Robertson. Yeah, me okay. too. Yeah. Hear that, Stars I... fans? We're not saying he hasn't had a good season. It just hasn't been as good. Right. No, it has not. It has not. And, I mean, you know, I can see – you know, I see – I don't know. I just I watch him, and like you said, he's a good player. But I think you know, in terms of voting and just being better, he's just. I don't think he's the the same. Like you know, as this dynamic of a player, and you know, as much of a you know goal scorer in that sense. But like like I've said that to many people, and like Brett kind of said, like if you don't pick like any of these awards that actually when they're picked, like it's not an insult to other players if they don't win. It's just, uh, I mean, first of all, it's just an award. Like you know, we shouldn't be getting too riled up about any of them, but like. But also, it's it's not like you said. It's not an insult to Jason Robertson, who you know obviously has been the big reason that Dallas has been able to stay afloat amid their 
you know, injuries and COVID and all that. So, you know, he, he, he's definitely, uh, in, in my opinion, like you guys said, I think, I think he's definitely number two. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I think after one, two is where it gets interesting. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Who do you guys have as your number three? I put Josh Norris as mine. Yeah, I was considering him because I think, like, like you know, just he's had a really good year and has basically been put into the top line center spot in Ottawa and has been good at faceoffs too. But I, you know, it was a little, I debated a little bit because the amount of games played, but I actually had uh, Alex, I think it's Nedeljkovic. Yeah, that's who I had as well. Yeah, as I put him at two because, I mean, you know, he's only played in 22 games, but he's 15, 4, and 3 with a 189 goals against and a 932 save percentage. And, you know, I believe he was on the, he was on put on waivers and was on the minors at the beginning of the year and i don't know i just think that uh with you know how good caroline already is that he's uh with their goaltending injuries and all that and any other other guys like Reimer maybe not being as good i just think he's uh despite maybe not as many games played i just think he's been he's played at a good enough level where that kind of you know eliminates that concern for me too much yep, yeah i was... agree that that's who i at my uh four position i'm we're just one below you guys with that yeah, and that, I had Nedeljkovic there, Zeke, for pretty much all the same reasons. And you mentioned the, the injury. Peter Mrazek was out for about half the year. Yeah. And Nedeljkovic, I think at, at the time, had maybe played, I think it was like four or five NHL mm-hmm. games and to come into that division when you're playing against teams like Tampa Bay and Florida who have played really well to come in and win, you know, 15 of 15 game beat, whatever you said, 15, mm-hmm. four, and three. Yeah. And three. That's, that's pretty impressive. And he's a big it reason is. that. Uh, Carolina, I believe, is the top team in the NHL, I think, in points. I don't know if it's points percentage, yeah. but... They just, uh, yeah, they are. So, and he's been a big piece of that, so... Um, I mean, it helps when you're playing behind that blue line, but mm-hmm. as I've said, it, you know, we, as we saw with Dubnik, the goalie still has to make the saves he's supposed mm-hmm. to, and Nedeljkovic has done that uh, quite well. Uh, also, McDavid just picked up his second point of the game, so now he's at 95. Uh-oh. Five points to go. Five to oh, go. Boy. Here we go. He's he's gonna get there. I think that's pretty much a yeah. guarantee. So and then number four, uh, Justin. We just had a flip flop there. I had Josh Norris from uh, Ottawa. Gotcha. Yeah, this was for me. This was different. I uh, actually, you know, I was kind of a little bit out of just. I actually put uh, Igor Shesterkin at number four for me. And you know, I, I I mean, again, like it was close. I just just to mention, I had Josh Norris five, and I think he could have been as high as three, but. Uh, I think uh, Sturkin's a very good goalie. You know, he's played in 33 games. Uh, aside from, I don't know if he played tonight, but before today he had a 15-13-3 with a 2.53 goals against the 9-18 save percentage. And from some of their articles and uh, more analytics stuff I've read, they yeah, seem to think he's been pretty good. I mean, I'll be, you know, obviously the attention on the Rangers is on a bunch of other things right now. But, uh, yeah, no, I think it's uh, – I think he's another guy that uh, – you know, deserves some mention in this race, just I think because the, I don't know how good of a team the Rangers are, but yeah, no, uh, that was my pick for. But Josh Norris has also been very good too. So, yeah, Justin, go ahead and give uh, your two cents on Josh Norris. Uh, I mean, he said uh, I haven't been able to pay too much attention, but 15 goals, 18 assists. I feel that's you know, like Zeke mentioned, isn't he getting first line center um, mm-hmm. stats too? I felt yeah. like in the beginning of the season, it was kind of Kaprizov and Norris kind of winning the Calder, Calder conversation. And then Josh Norris kind of didn't really drop off, but Kaprizov really took off and, mm-hmm. and you know, had, had Robertson take off even more. So, you know, he's just behind Kaprizov and Robertson in points and rookies. So, you know, he's, you know, doing well for an Ottawa team that looks primed to be good in a couple of years. Really good. 
Yeah, and I yeah. think the, the even more unfair part to him is there's been all, oh, Tim Stutzla this, Tim Stutzla that. Okay, yeah. Who, you know, mm-hmm. yes, Stutzla's put up points, but uh, if you look at his underlying analytics, his defense has been absolutely god-awful. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of Tim Stutzla's success has come alongside of Josh Norris, who's actually yeah. been the play driver on that line. He's been a really good piece to step in as mm-hmm. a rookie into a top six role on a pretty bad team and to still put up and, and, and produce the way Josh Norris has to me yeah. is impressive. And that's why I put him at, at number four. Um, and wasn't he, uh, wasn't he acquired? I think he was one of the pieces in there, Carlson trade too. So uh, that was a, right. yeah, that was a, you know, I don't think he was highly thought of, but yeah, no, I just think uh, like you, like you just said, I think the fact that, you know, he was thrown in as like a 19 or 20 year old into a top spot right away, regardless of production is a, uh, it's just impressive, even if he, you know, wasn't scoring 15 goals, which, so, no. All right, and uh, your number five for each of you. Well, mine was uh, was Josh Norris. So. And then you had Sisterkin. Justin? I put Ty Smith. I felt like he's had a pretty good season in New Jersey. I mean, he was kind of in the conversation at the beginning of the year, too, but he's dropped off a little bit. But I, I feel like, you know, a player that played with Adam Beckman last year in Spokane comes in, starts, you know, plays on a pretty bad New Jersey team. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like he's had a pretty good year. I also had Ty Smith as my five. So, As always, Justin, we're in sync. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I was going to start singing in sync, but then I may, thought that was a bad decision. So. <laughs> All right. to. Uh, what trophy should we go to next? Do you guys have a favorite one you want to go after next? Uh, I would say let's go to the heart if you guys are up for that. All right. Because this one, it shouldn't be really like that interesting, but I think it still kind of is. Yeah, let's just go. Uh, let's just read off all five, and then we can debate okay. where there are differences. Zeke, we'll go to you first. Okay. Well, uh, number one. Uh, so should I just read the names and not yep. do an explaining? Yeah, okay. Well, number one, I had Connor McDavid. Uh, number two, I had Austin Matthews. Uh, number three, I had Nathan McKinnon. And these last two is a little bit more of a toss-up. Uh, and this first one might be a little bit surprising, but at number four, I had uh, UC Saros. Uh, number five, I had Mark Stone. Nice. Okay. Justin? I went uh, one, Connor McDavid, two, Austin Matthews, three, Mark Stone, four, Nathan McKinnon, and five, I was a little biased and went Kirill Kaprizov because I think he should be in the conversation. <laughs> well, we had four of the five the same, Justin. <laughs> I had McDavid one, Matthews two. I did Andre Vasilevsky at three, okay. McKinnon nice. at four, and then I also did put uh, Kirill Kaprizov at five. Um, very nice <laughs> so obviously i mean we've we've been as uh, i've been watching the uh the mcdavid game here in the background uh he's five points away from 100 points which to do that insane. in a 56 game so season yeah. i don't care you can say all you want about you know the, the canadian division's goaltending and defense what have you i don't care 100 points in 56 games is bananas and i'm usually mm-hmm. an anti most points wins the heart guy but I mean, he's like I think the ne- the next closest is um, Drysital, and I think mm-hmm. Drysital's a full twenty points behind McDavid. Yes. And then I think if you go non Edmonton, it's like it, it goes down to like sixty something. Yeah, like, it's it, not it, particularly close. And his defense has improved. He's been the best player in the league this year, and it hasn't been close. That and his team has made the playoffs, so just yep. another yep another big thing. And I think, I, don't, I think uh, I can't remember what exact number who, who I saw it from on Twitter the other day, but someone mentioned that he's like, like he's contributed on you know directly like fifty five percent of their goals or something or over half of them, and you know that's just insane to think that you know obviously yes they have some other talented players, but uh, 
you take McDavid out of the Oilers lineup, and you know they're they're kind of screwed. I mean, he is. You know, I think he's the best player in the league, and I also think he's going to end up being one of the better players of all time. And, and, and like Brett said, you know, numbers for any player this year, people will argue they're, they're skewed. But I just, you know, I think that goal, especially, you know, I think that was hit against Calgary last week when he zoomed right through guys, then cut quickly to the left and just wired one right over the Markstrom's glove. It's just, I don't know, it's just insane to, you know, aside from just the, the points, it's just insane how. Uh, you know that that not only is he very fast, but that his brain and hands just are that fast too. It's it's crazy. And if we go back to April seventh, here are his game logs: four mm-hmm. points, one points, no points, two points, three points, three points, four points, three points, zero points, three points, <laughs> four points, two points, and he has two more already tonight. Like, it's just absurd. It's insane. And isn't that the? I think it's. They mentioned it's one of our maybe the best point season since like Lemieux when he came back that year, right? Or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's it's way up there. Like I, yeah, it's way up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And for sure, in post lockout era, so post 04, it's mm-hmm. the most. I think the next yeah. most eighty two game pace would have been. I think it was Kucherov's seventeen eighteen season when he mm-hmm. had one hundred twenty eight, and I think McDavid's pace is something more one hundred fifty. It's I think it's just shy of one hundred fifty. Yeah, I think it's between like one forty five, one fifty. Yeah. So holy crap, blowing that out of That's the water. That's just crazy. I mean, this yeah. is like eighties, like eighties point totals where everyone was like the goalies were terrible. And everyone right. was just yep. <laughs> yep. All right, and then number two, we all had Matthews, and you know, if it hadn't, if it wasn't for McDavid. Matthews would probably have a really good case. He's on a pretty, pretty awesome scoring pace. I think he's up to forty now. Yeah, forty um, got number forty today. Yeah, which in a again in a fifty-six game season is pretty damn impressive. Yeah, it is. I know. It's a. Uh, I don't know. I just think you know, like like you said, uh, you know, people. I think nationally, it's the debate is for second is him and uh, I mean not everybody, but it seems to be him and McKinnon. I just think that again, I'm a more in certain situations goals matter the most and i think that uh i mean it's this is not a hot take but i think matthews is the driver of that team and you know and, and a guy like mitch marner is good but i think the fact that he just gets to pass the puck to austin matthews who i think has one of the better like just wrist shots that i've ever seen he's it's not like ovechkin has a slap shot but the guy can just you know shoot the puck and pick corners from pretty much everywhere in the ice and uh yeah no it's it's it's, it's he's pretty damn good so yeah yeah then it's pretty insane He's on a line with Marner, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Marner has 46 assists. And I don't know if that's including today's game, if you got any, but that's pretty insane, too. I mean, Dreisaitl, Kane, and McDavid are ahead of him, but mm-hmm. 46 assists in a short season is a lot, too. Like, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, those two clearly work well with one another. Yeah. Yep. All right. And then, so after those two, we had a little bit more of a debate. So I did Andre Vasilevsky. Um, who I think, you know, Tampa Bay's been a good team for a while, but I think this year he's really been kind of the driving force behind them for mm-hmm. a large chunk of the season. It was pretty much his Vesna trophy to lose with, you know, the amount yeah. of saves he was making, the, the, the games he was winning, his goal set above expected was through the roof. I think that race has tightened. It's more of a three-headed monster now, which we'll get to in a little bit. But I think in, in a tight division – I think Vasilevsky is a big reason why Tampa Bay is right in that conversation to win that division. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I debated like Flurry and Stone in this spot too, but I've always been a pretty big proponent of if you can't determine an MVP on the own on their own team, you can't put them 
as the yeah. MVP of the league. And I, I had that debate with Florian Stone. So that's why I didn't put either of them in my top five, just because I couldn't decipher between the two of them who was more valuable. So I ended up going Vasilevsky here. And I, I think I put Mark Stone in that position because I know Flory's been really good too, but they got Leonard as well that's played well. And I, I just feel like Stone, especially with, you know, Patch Reddy missed some time. And I, obviously, I, I haven't – I mean – I don't pay as much attention outside the wild as I as I'd like, but he he always plays us well, and he just you know ever since Vegas signed him, he's I mean he's always been good, but he's been really good for Vegas, and, and a big reason why they're the top team in the West. I feel. Agree. Zeke, who was your three again? Uh, it was McKinnon. Okay. And you know I I don't know I guess I once that figured the top two is kind of a little bit of a toss up, so I just went. Uh, I think there's. You know, probably 15 guys you could maybe make a reasonable argument for there. But I think, uh, yeah, I just went with him. So. Yeah, and then, um, so I, I had McKinnon at four. And then uh, I do want to talk about why I did put Kaprizov at five. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's not a homer pick. I mean, if you really look at why the Wild have been six, I mean, aside from the parts of the Wild are a playoff team, but... Myself included, I did not have the Wild as a team that'd be, you know, in the mix the final four or five games of the season to potentially win the division. In my mind, it was Colorado and Vegas, a pretty big gap. St. Louis, Minnesota, pretty big gap. Arizona, pretty big gap. And then the California teams. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I viewed it going in. And I think for Minnesota to be here, I think... A good chunk of that has probably been Cam Talbot. But as of late, we've even when we've seen the goaltending come down, the one thing that's remained constant through the whole year is that not only has Kirill Kaprizov made the wild fun to watch, but you know he's on one of the best wild goal-scoring paces since Eric Stahl's 42. He's doing this as a rookie. He's playing in power play, penalty kill. And I think he's just done a lot of things to make this team churn. He's put in a situation where, you know, teams have to decide between, okay, do we want to match up a line against Kaprizov? Do we want to match one up against Fiala? Do we want to try to shut down the grief squad? Like, it, he's really mm-hmm. made it, it hard for other teams to decide who they want to defend and opened up lanes for people in that way. And I think and I think that's just a lot of the things to me that make an MVP. is yeah. a, It's it's the most valuable player. And I think for sure on the wild, Kaprizov's been the team's most valuable player. I have a hard time believing, outside of some of these other names we've listed in this conversation, that any team in the league wouldn't want a Kaprizov on their team. Right, and I'll kind of add, sorry, Brett, but I'll, no, I'll add a little bit. Um, uh, you know, you see teams have to try and shut down, like you said, the Grief Squad, Fiala, Kaprizov. <clears throat> but then you have games like last night where Fiala misses time, and they shut him down for two periods for the most part, and he just takes a minute to tie the game and give us the lead. And, you know, he continues to score big goals like that, whether it's an overtime or in the third period or even adding like a primary assist to, to a game time goal or something. It's just, mm-hmm. it seems to drive around him us a lot of these comebacks. Yeah. I think that that's a really good point just that you made. Cause that game, like you mentioned that game yesterday was the, 
you know, maybe one of the better examples in that, you know, since the first period into the second, the Wild really generated uh, no offense really at all. And, uh, you know, they had started before the first goal they scored to kind of get up more. But, uh, you know, it's been, like you said, that game, they didn't win, but he kind of willed them into that position where they could have. And, and like, mm-hmm. like it's eventually he's done that all year. So, so yeah, no, uh, I don't know. I didn't fit him in my top five. I don't know because I, I don't know. I just – I guess I didn't want to be too homerish, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really think it is for the all dimensions Brett Reeves help. But yeah, no, it's it's a, uh, I can't argue with uh, you know, obviously with anything you said. So, not to mention he's done a lot of this with Victor Rask as his center. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and we will take guy. credit for him doing well because that's the reverse psychology that we put on the exactly we put out there. We take full credit for for shit talking <laughs> Victor Rask last week. We heard he listened to the podcast. Said, I don't want to be shit talked anymore by these guys, so I'm yep. gonna go start playing well. And there he is. So, you're welcome, yes. Wild fans. We 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 fixed Victor Rask. Fixed <laughs> All right, let's go to. So wait, can I just uh, oh, yeah? Go ahead. Explain. Well, I just want to explain. Uh, you know, I I mentioned I put the uh, Soros at number four for me on heart ballot. Uh, oh, the Nashville goaltender. I did consider mm-hmm. him as well. Yeah, and, you know, I, I mean, I guess part of this is because I had seen uh, some few articles mentioning him, but, you know, I was looking at Nashville's lineup the other day, and, you know, a guy like Yossi is a stud on defense. Uh, Philip Forsberg is not quite a superstar, but he's very good. But after that, it's just kind of like the Wild War the year or two before this, where it's just completely, like, meh. Like, there's nothing really inspiring at that team, and they had an awful start. And, you know, I guess you could maybe make the argument that, you know, he's been really good the past half of the season now, but, you know, in the 35 games, he's 2011 one 232 goals against and a 0.927 save percentage and uh you know they didn't have a great game last night in columbus but i just think uh it's you know a lot of the articles i mentioned where it was kind of like when dubnik came to the wild he you know went into that 35 game tear and finished fourth in mvp voting and uh i think you know for, for me i just think like i said with that national team uh, being from what i can tell just completely blah outside of a couple players i think the fact that he's uh, you know, basically uh, drag them to a probable playoff spot in that division is uh, is impressive. So. Yeah, we owe a big uh, hat tip to UC Saros too because whether, you know, Dallas fans like it or not, I think making the playoffs, the fact that Kaprizov will be in the playoffs yep. and Robertson won't, will will maybe factor into some people's bat. That, that could be for sure. a difference maker for some voters too. So shout mm-hmm. out UC Saros for that assist potentially there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go next to the Norris Trophy. So this is where there has been an absurd amount of debate, uh, particularly regarding a very popular name in Victor Hedman, um, <laughs> who did not make my top five even. So Same here. You made my top five, but he's middle of the pack. Justin, let's go to you first. Uh, your top, so start with your winner, and then uh, then your your close second, third, fourth, and fifth. Winner, Adam Fox. Uh Two is Kale McCarr, three Hedman, four Shea Theodore, and five Brody. Maybe a little homerish, but I, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, Zeke. Yeah, I also had uh, Adam Fox at number one and Kale McCarr at number two. Uh, I had at number three. I went with uh, Charlie McAvoy. Uh, number four, I went with Dougie Hamilton, and number five, I also had uh, Shea Theodore on my list. Okay, well, we went three for three with our top two. I also had Adam Fox at one, Kale McCarr at two. Uh, number three, I went Adam Pellick uh, from the New York Islanders. Number four, I mm-hmm. had Charlie McAvoy. And number five, I actually went with Brett Pesci um, over Dougie Hamilton. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so, so let, let's start yeah. at one with Adam Fox. Um, and I, th- he's been absolutely unreal this year mm-hmm. in every way possible mm-hmm. for the Rangers. Absolutely. 
and it's you know I just I think you know it's it's funny the the guy that was supposed to be the big stud on defense was Jacob Truba who they signed to that eight year sixty four million dollar contract and he's been uh, just completely met and like you know Adam Fox like you, you look at his college stats I don't have them pulled up to me but he was a an insanely good college player like on defense like he put up I think like you know the same year he and Cal McCarr played uh, he had I think like forty eight points in, like thirty one games and. I think, you know, to go back a little bit to last season, I think he was another guy that uh, didn't get as much respect in the Calder voting uh, as he should have because, I mean, like like Brett said, he's just been good all around. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I didn't read, all, I don't quite understand all the stats he was looking at, but from some of the uh, analytical articles and stuff that I looked like, I talked very highly of him. And, I mean, obviously, uh, with the Norris, it, it's going to help his case that he's putting up the big number of points, too, with 47. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that, but he's been really good. Like, I hate using the plus minus, but he's uh, a plus mm-hmm. twenty, and on top of the forty-seven points. I mean, yeah, they're playing in division with like Buffalo, but he's putting up multiple point games against Washington and had a five assist game against Philly. Mm-hmm. He's just been an all-around stud for that team. And while they, uh, I don't, they're not going to be in the playoffs, but I mean, he's. He, been so good yeah i think the way i i saw it the best is basically like there was a lot of this victor hedman talk and a lot of victor hedman because a lot of the norris voters like oh which defenseman leads the league in points he gets the norris <laughs> and victor hedman's right. done a lot of that damage on the power play and even strength he hasn't done a lot he i believe it's the mcdonough chernak pairs actually been getting more of like the tough matchups mm-hmm. but Adam Fox is playing just tons of ice time. Um, I believe he might be among. Yeah, let's see. He is uh, top thirty in the league in ice time. Um, that's without a games played limit set. So he's you know playing big minutes every night. His expected goals for is over fifty percent. Um, he's on a Rangers team in a tough division. I think just to do everything he's done. And that division where you're playing against Boston, New York, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. Um, who else am I forgetting out of that division? Uh, uh, the Islanders. Island. Islanders. Yeah. Islanders. Like to do that night in, night out, and to do what he's done, I think it's just really impressive. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm glad we're, we're getting the recognition here because I just I don't think there's going to be enough people that listen to the analytics people and just that have watched enough Adam Fox to just realize the yeah the impressive season uh, that that he's had. Oh, we'll sure. see. Uh, this is one I'm really interested to see. Um, Makar at number two. Uh, do we really need to expand too much into this? I mean, the, you just watch no. the dude. He's he's just awesome. And I like. I think the, the you know the best thing we've seen it. He does it to everyone. But I like uh, my favorite thing that he does is he'll do the you know the pull up toe drag where he's completely sends guys just breaks their ankles completely. Like he's done that a couple times the Wild this year, and you know, he only has six goals. But yeah, like like you said, he's uh, he's insane. And I remember you know. The, just to go off a little bit, I remember he, uh, uh, when he was drafted in 2017, I, I remember there was uh, some articles a few years later, I think either Elliot Freeman or someone mentioned that, that uh, at the time, the, you know, the Devils, there were some of their scouts that really were pushing to take him first overall. And, uh, you know, Nico Heischer is a good player, but yeah, I think, he, he, you know, I don't, Elias Pettersson is pretty good, but yeah, no, he's, uh, he, he's dynamic in every way. And, that, and you know, some people will question you know, since all the defensemen are good, their whole team is good. Who stirs the, you know, who's the guy who stirs the straw, the drink or whatever. But yeah, no, he's a, he's a, I think what I've heard it best is described as he's like a, on defense, he's like a generational type talent type player back there. Yeah. He's, he's such a good, he might be the best skater 
or if not one of the best skaters in the NHL. It's just as much as I don't like the Avalanche, he's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's so smart with the puck and seems to be always making the right play. He's, mm-hmm. I mean, it helps to have those McKinnon types, but I think even without him, he, I mean, he's just so smart and so skilled. Yeah, I think the only thing that might be hurting McCards, he did miss some time this year. Yeah. yeah. With an injury, so to date, he only has 39 games played. Um, so I think that probably, for sure, probably knocks him out of first because for much of the season, he was my one until Adam Fox just really started to turn it up. Heat the pressure on, but he's 20th in the NHL uh, among defensemen, goals four, second in expected goals, first in Corsi. <laughs> like any advanced stat you can draw up, Kale McCarr leads it in. And uh, funny enough, I mean, the people around him are, you know, Sam Gerrard, Devontae's. I mean, the, the Avs blue line this year has been just just stellar, um, mm-hmm. which could be a thing, too, that may, you know, maybe hurts McCarr's stock more because, you know, is it McCarr, is it Taze, is it Gerrard? Like, they've got a lot of really good yeah. players in that blue line. Right. Um, and just the way the Avs have dominated possession all year. But I think just a lot of, I think, you know, when I think of what I want in a modern defenseman, it's you know it's Kale McCarr, a guy that's mobile, mm-hmm. a guy that's offensive, a guy that can still play good defensively. But I mean, he's just he's fun to watch, and he's a, like a reason. He's one of the two reasons I just can't hate the Avs because I just have way too much fun watching Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr. It's yeah. it's a treat to watch those two play hockey. Yeah, it is. It's like they're clones of each other, except one's offense, one's defense. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. All right, so this is where it got messy. Uh, I was after two. So I went Adam mm-hmm. Pellick. Um, a lot of just the same reasons for Fox and McCart, just the way he drives play. Um, and you look at a team like uh, the Islanders, um, who are you know good because of their defense, he's the big key cog on that defense. Yeah. Yeah, no, I guess I, I'm not too uh, familiar with him, but I've heard, uh, you know, like you mentioned him and uh, Ryan Pulak, or Pulak from what I've read, there have been – very good and uh you know for me at number three uh like i said i went with charlie mcavoy like i think he's been really good uh for a couple years now but i think with uh you know with uh chara and crew gone that he's really you know he's the best uh with boston being a little thin on defense i think he's really shown that you know he doesn't put up a you know the same amount of flashy points you know he's got 27 48 but i think he's just an all-around really good player and uh you know i don't know if he'll finish that high this year but i think he's uh, the kind of player who well, you know, kind of like a Drew Doughty or something like that, that will eventually win this award because of the, you know, reputation and it's his yep. turn. But yeah, no, he's been very good. I had him at four, so I'm, I'm right there with you on a lot mm-hmm. of those points. Yeah. Yeah, I had Hedman at three. It's kind of the, you know, the the pick that everyone picks, like, in the voting. But I, mm-hmm. I feel like with the stamp, close missing time, Kutrov missing the year. And, I mean, yeah, they got Vasilevsky, who – Mayor very well could be the team MVP. Uh, I mean, he's helped them finish. I mean, he's their second in their division. And I mean, yeah. I just, I don't know. I feel like he's had a good season and, and they've missed a couple of their big guys. So, yeah, no, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, I, I agree. I think he, I think he's definitely going to be almost likely, I think, one of the top three guys just because of how they vote. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, while like, like Rhett said, you know, maybe he's, picked up a few more points at his power play and hasn't been greatest defensively, but uh, certainly it's not, it's certainly not obviously a too much of a bold take. Cause I mean, he still is, you know, aside from just being absolutely huge, he's, he still is a really, really good player. So yeah. out of the interest of, of kind of staying on time here, is there any other okay. like Norris candidates that you wrote on that you feel really strongly about the, make a case for before we move into the Selkie? 
No, I'm good. Moving on. All right. Uh, the only, yeah, I guess, ahead. just the, the the only one. I don't know if you know how great his defense has been, but uh, I will note that uh, Jacob Chikrin has like 18 goals and 40 points this year for Arizona, and uh, I think he's been just slowly getting better. So he's another guy I, I just wanted to mention. So for sure. All right, let's go to the Selkie Trophy next. Uh, Justin, who were your who were yours? Uh, I went Mark Stone. Alexander Barkov, Philip Deneau, uh Jewel Eriksson-Eck, and Anthony Sorelli. All right, Zeke? I went uh, Barkov at one, uh, Stone at two, so just a, a flip with Justin. And then I went Therese Bergeron at three, uh, Eriksson-Eck at four, and Philippe Deneau at five. All right. I have Mark Stone at one, Alexander Barkov at two, Eriksson-Eck at three, Joe Pavelski at four, and Marcus Foligno at five. Nice. So we have a debate at one here. So uh, Zeke, Justin, and I both had Stone. You went Barkov. Make your case. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll start uh, by being honest. Uh, again, this was uh, from a lot of reading uh, other people's opinions. But uh, I don't know. I just uh, I think I've read in the past that he's always been in this conversation that everyone has uh, you know, thought. I mean, he's always been a very talented offensive player. He's a 6'3 center. He's very good. But I think uh, from a lot of the research I did, a lot of people thought that until this year, he wasn't, you know, really that as much of a top tier defensive player as he has been this year, at least from from what I've seen. And I just think that, you know, at 56 points in 48 games, I think he's, you know, obviously got guys like Jonathan Huberto, Carter Verhage, and and Ekblad back on D when he was healthy that drive the team. But I just think he is, he's driving that team. And uh, I don't know, I just, from everything I tell, uh, I put him at, at one, but uh, it's uh, you know that wasn't that was one I debated though for sure. Yeah, it, it was it was a really tight one too for me between Stone and Barkov, but for me just being able to mm-hmm. watch Stone, my vo- mm-hmm. my vote just went there because just it may not even always show up even in the advanced stats and stuff, but just the subtle plays he makes, his intelligence, yeah. his hockey IQ, just to make these little plays. You know whether it's a, a little a little chip player, a, a poke check to break up a break up a pass. He just does all these little things that just add up. I think over a game and over a season. Um, and I just I haven't watched enough of Barkov to know if he does the same. Um, mm-hmm. But for me, it was really close between those two. And if it goes to either, um, I'd I'd be pretty happy with with the voters. I think they're the clear one yeah. two, at least in my mind. Yeah, and I I agree. I think. Uh... Uh, just the you know the, like you, like you said uh, seeing stolen live too in last week like you said it's uh, it's not flash things it's not things you will notice unless you look but he's just a just an all around force hockey player so I agree. All right, and as with the Norris, is there any player you guys have in your top five that you really want to make a case for? Norris or Selkie or did Selkie or Norris? Selkie. Okay, he's. Uh, um... No, I think I'm good with. I mean, we all had act, didn't we? I mean, it'd be yeah. good to see him get mentioned in that. He's but I think always... I think the reasoning behind that's pretty well known at this point. Yeah. Um, right. And then yeah. for me with Felino, I think I talked just a couple weeks ago about just his defensive dominance, and I wanted to put him in here because a guy like Felino is never going to get that award because he just doesn't do enough mm-hmm. offensively. But I just wanted to really point out that. You know, his defensive numbers this year have been good enough to warrant, if voters actually voted on what the award was for, being the best defensive forward, not the best two-way forward, um, as it, that, that pivots really seem to be made. But I just wanted to make sure Felino got some uh, okay. some recognition there. For sure. All right. And last but not least for the major NHL awards is the Jack Adams 
Um, this one's typically voted on, I believe, by the broadcasters um, for the best coach in the NHL. Mm-hmm. So to me, there's a pretty clear top three here. We'll see if you guys agree. Zeke, we'll go to you first. Okay, well, for me, I had uh, Joel Quenville, number one, uh, Rod Brindamore, uh, number two, uh, Dean Evison, three, and then I had uh, Mike Sullivan at four and Sheldon Keefe at number five. All right, pretty similar to mine. Justin? I went uh, Joel, Joel Quenville, one, Dean Evison, two, Rod Brindamore, three, Barry Trotz, four, and Jeremy Colleton, five. All right, and I had Joel Quenville, one, Rod Brindamore, two, Dean Evison, three, Sheldon Keefe, four, and then I went Jared Bednar at five. Mm-hmm. So we all had Quenville as our one, right? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think even LaPanta kind of brought this up on a Russo podcast. But to me, like, the Jack Adams is the best coach. But to me, it's it's the coach of the team or teams that, that, yeah, most surprising or overachieved. Mm-hmm. And I, I think some people thought Florida had a chance to rebound and be good. But I don't think anyone had him penciled in as, you know, in a, in a three-way race with Carolina and Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. So For that, sure. and so, I, and just to look at just some of the guys that they have, you know, to get the most out of guys like Carter Verhage and Anthony Duclair to really unlock, you know, guys like Uberdo and Barkoff and before the injury, Aaron mm-hmm. Blad. I just think he's done a lot of really good things. And he's, you know, even when he was in Chicago, he's just a damn good coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, oh, yeah. uh, you know, especially the fact that, I mean, voter wise, especially the fact that he surprisingly has not won the award yet, I think, uh, helps his case too but yeah no he, he's a really good coach so still weird that uh, i get the windows done but still weird that chicago fired him like a week into the season a couple yeah weeks. that was but. odd all right uh i know me and one other had brindamore at two was there a someone else that's yeah. different at two i had dean evison at two okay so make your case for evison over brindamore i mean they both are deserving but i just feel like yeah while minnesota was considered a playoff team they were kind of considered the four seed at the beginning of the season uh, in the Honda West division. But I, I feel like the way he's got this team playing, he's got four lines rolling. I mean, we, we were fighting for first place in the Honda West. And I think, you know, while Carolina has taken the, the top of the central, I, I, I just feel like they were kind of expected to be the top two or three. Maybe not because they got Florida and Tampa, but uh, I just feel like Dean Evans has done such a good job of turning a team that maybe some people thought was, you know, in transition bubble team into a team that was fighting for a first place uh, division seed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, what it came down to was I knew the hurricanes would be good. I just didn't think they'd be better than the lightning. Yeah. And I true. think again, we've talked about the reputation of, ah, this guy probably could have won it in the past. And I think mm-hmm. Moore is probably one of those guys as well, that if he doesn't win it this mm-hmm. year, He'll probably get it next year, the year after that. But I think this is as good as year of any for him to potentially win it. If it hadn't been for Quenville, he probably would have. But mm-hmm. I think it was that little edge for me of of the Canes weren't probably the ones predicted to win that division. And to me, I think winning a division you weren't supposed to win versus finishing third in a division you were supposed to win fourth was the reason I just gave the edge to Brindamore over Evison. Mm-hmm. And plus, there's just been enough things this year, Dean Evison, that have just rubbed me the wrong way. But I just couldn't quite put him at two. <laughs> mm-hmm. And also the fact that a lot of the wild success has come against you know, the bottom of the division teams, which you know it, it should, and they have been good against Vegas, but to struggle against teams like Colorado and St. Louis, all that added together was just enough 
to get me to to put Brendan more above Addison. But it was really close. Yeah, I think the, I think it just depends on uh, you know if you're voting for that uh, that award with a couple of these guys, it depends on the you know just the kind of view you come at it from. And and you guys mm-hmm. uh, brought up a couple of two points, and I think you know aside from Brett said winning the division, Carolina, you know they could very well possibly win the President's Trophy as the top mm-hmm. team in the league too, which. You know, uh, and like you said, everyone knew they were going to be good, but you know, you know, best team in the league was a little different. But uh, yeah, no, I had him too, and uh, and like, like he's like Justin mentioned with Everson, and like we've talked about uh, a lot of times. Even though you know, I, I mean, for on the division thing, I think you know that's true. I just I I don't know. I think people, some people out there, you know, get a little too uh, into it, arguing which division's bad. This one's good, blah blah blah. But yeah, no, I think uh, obviously he's done a great job with him and. Uh, you know, aside from Bill Guerin, just, uh, you know, just being kind of a, you know, an OBS kind of guy, you know, he's not, it's not like John Tortorella or whatever, you know, screaming and yelling every second, but uh, he's just done a very good job too. So, yeah, no, I think he, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to be, you know, what ends up, I, I I just don't know if he'll necessarily be one of the top three, but I think he deserves to be in that top five at least. So. And any of your guys' four or five or three that you want to make a case for before we get into the wild awards? Man, I mentioned Jerry, Jer, Jeremy Culleton as top five. I have him at five. I just think, well, you know, I hate giving Chicago credit because I don't like them. But <laughs> the fact that you know they're missing Tays and 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 you know, kind of been pretty bad the last couple of years. The way he's kind of been gotten Kane going. I mean, Kane's really gotten going. He's infused mm-hmm. some youth in the lineup like Pie Suter and Debrinket. It's I think it's worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I that's that's makes some good points, and I just uh, I'll quickly mention, you know, I was at Sullivan at four, but I think uh, Sheldon Keefe in Toronto. Well, I think some of this was just putting guys in the right spots to play. I think, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, a year or two ago now that it's been, I think, uh, having Babcock as the coach there was, you know, in a way like holding them back, and so maybe he doesn't deserve as much credit for that, but I think. Uh, for, you know, getting that team, putting the, those guys in the right positions to play there, like the Matthews, the Marners, and all that, uh, and e- even depth pieces like Jason Spezza and Alex Galchenyuk, which uh, I think he should, what he's done there is, is good, and the fact that, you know, they're running away with that, uh, the Canadian division. But like Brett said earlier, you can argue, you know, however strong it is, whatever, whatever, but I just think uh, he's done a, a pretty good job, and I think, uh, you know, the fact that they're winning the division handily is helps him. So, All right. Well, let's move on to the really fun awards now. So these are, this will be the first edition of the Sound the Foghorn Awards. Uh, They are fan awards voted on by ourselves, by you, the fans, the listeners. Um, We want to give first and foremost a big shout out to the 206 people who took their time to to fill out the ballot. So we have 206 votes. There's there's no caveats here. It's going to be straight up. The most votes wins. Um, I'm the only one that's seen these results so far, so uh, Justin and Zeke's reactions will be live. <laughs> so we'll start with uh, my favorite award, the only unanimous award, um, and that is the Martin Scula Award, <laughs> <laughs> which may now be named as the Victor Rask Award. Uh, awards the wild player who fans loathe the most. It was Victor Rask with all 206 votes because... It was the only option given. And it was required answer. <laughs> it was a required answer. So we forced you to vote for Victor Rask strictly for the bit. Um, but I think, I mean, I, I did see some people, oh, I would have voted for Johansson or Dumba or whatever. But um, oh 
Johansson mm. I could see and the others, whatever. But, you know, just as much as we shit on Victor Rask and it's just if, – if you read Twitter, there's the guy just frustrates the hell out of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but as of late, but, he's been better. But yeah, it doesn't mean that, we that, – that, and that's why I put – that I chose the wording carefully of using loathe. Um, not hate, not think is the worst player, just the player that fans loathe. And that yep. was Victor Rask. Yep. All right. So now we'll let's go down the list here, starting with the Marion Gabrick Award, awarded to the Minnesota Wilds' most valuable player. The options given were Jewel Eriksson-Eck, Cam Talbot, Kevin Fiala, Kirill Kaprizov, and there was an option for a write-in. Gentlemen, who, who did you vote for? Kirill Kaprizov. Yeah, same here in Kirill Kaprizov. So, but I wonder who it's going to be, though. I also voted Kirill Kaprizov, and I think a lot of the reasons I made his case for league MVP uh, mm-hmm. apply here. And uh, Kirill Kaprizov is the winner of the Marion Gabrick Award with 82%. That's 169. <laughs> nice. Nice. Of the 206 <laughs> votes. Second Ooh, place, Cam Talbot. Talbot with 21 votes. Nice. Third place, Jewel Erickson Eck with 12 yeah, that's that's obviously not surprising at all. <laughs> no, you can't make a case for each of them. Yeah, this award may have gone differently had we done it at a, as a midseason award instead of mm-hmm. the end of the year award. But this is the Nicholas Backstrom Award given to the Wilds' best goaltender. You had two options: Cam Talbot and Capo Kakinen. Gentlemen, who got your vote? Cam Talbot. Uh, yeah, Talbot as well. Yeah, uh, three for three with uh, Cam Talbot. The fans were in agreement. One hundred ninety-nine. Of 206 hmm. pick Talbot, just seven going Capo Kakadin. But I think, especially as of late, it was just clear. You know, you watched Cam Talbot steal some games. Um, the game against St. Louis, where the Wild had like 11 shots or 12 shots, whatever it was, yeah. comes to mind. And yeah. just some other games where he just played extraordinary. And Zeke, you touched on him just, um, you know, coming up with some really timely saves as of mm-hmm. late, too. So, Agreed. all right. The next award was the Miko Koivu Award awarded to the wild player who displays the best leadership qualities both on and off the ice. Uh, there were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven players who uh, received a vote in this one. Uh, gentlemen, who do you remember off the top of your head who got your vote? Marcus Foligno. Right. Um, I... Th- think I put Felino as well. I'm not positive, but I think that's what I'm with. All right. Well, the finalists for the award were Jared Spurgeon, Matt Dumba, and Marcus Felino. And it was Marcus Felino pulling in 57.3% of the votes, 118 <laughs> of the 206. And I think that just speaks volumes to just how much of a fan favorite Felino has become. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at there are, you know, three guys on this team that were a letter. Jared Spurgeon, Zach Parisi, Ryan Suter. Mm-hmm. And only Spurgeon even contended close with 57. Fleeing with 118, pretty much double Yeah, um, what Spurgeon got. So I think just – and I think – I don't think anyone in the locker room would probably fight that one uh, too much either. No, he's he's right. basically – even though he doesn't have a letter, he's he's a captain of that team. So. Yeah, he's always straight to the point in his interviews and doing what he – did like last game stand up for Kaprizov and such. He's just, he's, he is definitely one of the, the, 
locker room guys that uh, display his leadership. All right. Moving on to our next award, the Derek Bugard Award, awarded to the wild player who most consistently brings energy and hype to the team. The uh, nominees were Kirill Kaprizov, Matt Dumba, Marcus Foligno, Jordan Greenway, and Jewel Erickson Eck. Gentlemen, who got your vote? I took uh, Matt Dumba. Yeah, I, I think I'm pretty sure I took Dumba as well. And uh, I think this one, you know, you could go Capri. So I think it depends on how you look at it. But yeah, I went Dumba too. I also went Dumba uh, with my pick. I think we talked about just on Instagram. You mm-hmm. just look at the way when the Wild scored a goal and that dude's on the ice. He's in yep. there yelling, smiling, laughing. Yep. Um, but the fans had a different idea. Ooh. Uh, Matt okay. Dumba came in second in voting with 46. Marcus Foligno came in here again. 128, 62% wow. of the votes. This, to me, was probably the most surprising one. I really thought yeah. this would be Dumba. Uh, mm-hmm. Kaprizov did come in at third with 25. So I just think you see Dumba coming up with all these nicknames, and you right. see the Dollar Instagram Dumba. videos, and he puts together the playlist for warm-ups. And I, I just, yeah, that, that's my reasoning behind putting Dumba in that spot. Yeah, I'm right there with you. But the fans Agreed. went with Foligno. Hmm. All right. It's- it's not a bad pick, though. No, the not. next one was probably, yes, this was the most tightly contested award of all of them, and that is the Matt Collin Award, awarded to the Minnesota Wild's most prolific veteran player. Eligible players are at least 28 years old or older. The options were Jared Spurgeon, Marcus Foligno, Cam Talbot, Ryan Suter, Zach Parisi, Nick Bonino, Ian Cole, Matt Zuccarello, and Victor Rask. Gentlemen, who got your vote? I went with Cam Talbot. It was close between him and Zuccarello for me. Yeah, I'm hmm, trying to think. I I don't know. I think I went with Zuccarello. Yeah. All right. I went with Jared Spurgeon for this one. I just think mm-hmm. he always just does the right things night in, night out. Um Hey, you're, he's a, he's in he's in the next albatross contract in the wild, though. If you listen to something, so yeah. All right. <laughs> well, the fans did pick Matt Zuccarello, sixty-three <laughs> votes, which ended up being just thirty percent of the votes. Uh, Jared Spurgeon <laughs> came in second with forty, so just thirteen behind. Cam Talbot at thirty-seven, and Marcus Foligno at thirty-three. Ryan Suter got nine votes. Parisi got nine votes. Bonino, seven. Ian Cole, eight. So a lot of names in that one. I was just, I was really surprised to see, like, no one really run away with that one. And I was, mm-hmm. I think, like a little surprised to see Zuccarello on there. Yeah, that's, um, yeah. Because, I mean, he's been good, but, you know, you, there's some wonder there if some of that's because of Kaprizov and all mm-hmm. that, too. So, man, no, that's, that's, it's not a bad pick, considering, I think, especially after people were so disappointed by him last year, I think that. Exactly, he's played as well as he did this year, probably played into that too. All right. The next one in honor of the Spinorama is the Pierre-Marc Bouchard Award, or it's a <laughs> wild player who scored the best goal of the season. <clears throat> Excuse me, the choices were the Kirill Kaprizov 1v5 wraparound versus Arizona, Kirill Kaprizov's through the legs deke versus the Kings, Jewel Erickson X escape move, deke around Ryan O'Reilly and short side snipe, against the Blues, or Kirill Kaprizov's first career goal in overtime versus the Kings. Which goal got your vote? 
uh, I want Kirill Kaprizov three legs Deke versus Kings. I think he was the one that said too that he's tried that a bunch of times and has never scored on it. So he was kind of even amazed by it. Like he went back and watched it. So <laughs> I think it has to be that. Yeah, I think uh, you know I, I I went with his first uh, goal and the overtime winning goal. And you know even though it wasn't maybe the most produced of goals, I guess I took the the I guess the the significance of the moment just his first goal and all that. So yeah, that's the one I went with. Yeah, I went with Justin as well. I went the through the legs deke, I think, just because when it happened, I just remember going, wow. Yeah, come on. Nuts. Like, it's, it just truly made my jaw drop. Erickson X, I think, was probably my number two if mm-hmm. I had yeah. to pick one. Just just the, the totality of that play was so smooth. Um, yeah, I was at that game. That was pretty cool to see live. I was, like, kitty corner of when he did it. But we did have a vast majority here agreeing with Justin and I, 114 55% of the votes went with Kirill Kaprizov's through the leg deke. The wraparound against Arizona with 50 votes came in second. His first career goal in overtime versus the Kings with 32 votes was in third and X. Uh, escape move deke was in fourth with 10 votes. couple more to go here. The next one up is the Eric Stahl Award, awarded to the Minnesota Wild's most improved players, not including rookies. So the options were Matt Dumba, Drew Larkson-Eck, Marcus Foligno, Jordan Greenway, Jonas Brodin, Carson Soucy, Matt Zuccarello, Ryan Hartman, and we did have a write-in, it appears, for Brad Hunt. Brad Hunt truth out there somewhere. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, and oh, uh, who, who got this award for you guys? Uh, I went with Drew Larkson-Eck. I, I just feel like, you know, not that he's needed improvement on defense, but just the way he's been scoring this year has, you know, been just another addition to his game. Uh, 18 goals is pretty amazing. Yeah, I think uh, I went with Drew Larkson-Eck as well. I went with Eric Snek, as did 127 voters. 61.7% went with Eric Snek, uh, who we've just seen become kind of a total package this year from Shut down third line center to well-rounded two-way top six center. Um, if you haven't read the uh, Shana Goldman article on his next contract, um, yet they came out the athletic would highly recommend that. Uh, what did we say last week? Four by four eight. Yeah, I think Is it was. We did, or did we go I feel like we might feel like we might have gone. Five, I think we might have gone. Five. Five. I think we went four by five. Yeah, four by five. I had to go back and listen, but I can tell you we were right in the right vein. So we'll see what happens. Um, mm-hmm. Second place was Jordan Greenway, who. Uh, Started off the year really hot. Um, I believe, I could be wrong on this, he might lead the team in assists. He does, yes. Uh, 25, that does lead the team. <laughs> Which is just insane to think about. For a guy yeah, that think... doesn't plan the power play to lead the team in assists is bananas. Yeah, it's yeah, uh, great. Uh, pretty bananas. <laughs> and in third place uh, was Matt Zuccarello, who I think has bounced back in all the right ways this year mm-hmm. uh, with 23 votes. And then up next was Ryan Hartman, uh, who got nine votes. So, <laughs> all right. Our second most can uh, contested award is the Nino Niederreiter Award, awarded to the Wild's most underrated player. The options were Jules Eriksson, Nico Sturm, Marcus Foligno, Jared Spurgeon, Jonas Brodin, Cam Talbot, Ryan Hartman, and we had a couple write-ins for Carson Soucy. Who got your pick? Or your vote? I went with Nico Sturm. I don't know if he's underrated anymore, but I felt like at one point he was. Yeah, and I uh, I went with uh, 
I'm pretty sure I went with Jonas Brodin. You know, I don't think he's obviously very underrated more, but yeah, that's who I went with too. I went with my boy Nico Sturm because until <laughs> he is off the fourth line and is not free, he will be underrated. Um, yeah. I did want to bring this up because I did put out a little thread about this on Twitter, um, but I was just really curious. I'm trying to think of like who could I compare Nico Sturm to, and then it hit me: Carter Verhage. Pretty much the same age as Nico Sturm. Was buried on the fourth line. Didn't do a, put up a ton of points in Tampa Bay last year. He was kind of thought of this depth guy. And Florida's like, okay, we'll take him. They put him alongside Alexander Barkov, and he's basically been a point-per-game player this year. Um, and I just think it's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying that if the Wild were to elevate Nico Sturm into a top-six role that he'd become a point-per-game player. That's not what I'm saying. But I just think there's some unlocked potential that isn't being recognized when he's playing. I think last night it was like seven minutes, 20 seconds of ice time. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't think, right. I think maybe this series maybe gotten over 13 minutes, like two or three times. But I think of all the players we've tried at center with, you know, Kaprizov and Fiala, the fact that Sturm hasn't gone there yet. And the one game he did, he scored a really big goal and then he got demoted again. I don't get it, but yeah. free Same. Nico Sturm, hashtag Sturm warning. That's my guy. <laughs> Uh, and the fans did agree. 84 votes for Nico Sturm. Uh, he is the winner of the Nino Niederreiter Award. Jonas Rodin was in second with 52. Julia Eriksenek in third with 42 votes. And in fourth was Marcus Foligno. <laughs> All right. Next one was one of the easiest to vote for. Um, <laughs> the Rookie of the Year awarded to the Wild player who performed the best in his first full NHL season. The options were Kirill Kaprizov, Nico Sturm, Capo Kakinen. Gentlemen, who got your vote? Do I even need to ask? Yeah. Kaprizov for me as well. 204 first place votes for Kaprizov. Just two people mm-hmm. voted for Capo Kakinen. But in honor of a near unanimous selection, and because Kirill Kaprizov is without a doubt the best rookie of the Wild have ever had and probably will ever have, uh, we will... Change the name. This will now be the Kirill Kaprizov Award, <laughs> um, which will now annually go out to the best rookie on the Wild. So congrats to Kirill Kaprizov on being the Rookie of the Year and getting the award named after you. <laughs> All right. One final vote, or excuse me, one final award here before we wrap up, and that is the Brian Ralston Award, awarded to the best non-rookie newcomer to the Wild. The options were Nick Bonino, Cam Talbot, Ian Cole, Marcus Johansson, and Nick Bugstad. Who got your vote? I got uh It was tough for me between two, but I voted Talbot, but very well could have gone Cole. But yeah, Talbot got mine. Yeah, I, I guess I'm not 100% sure, but I think I went with Benino. Benino, yeah. I mean, it, this is an interesting one. I, I can see the case for Cole. I can see the case for Benino, but what it came down to me is I thought, I took one of these players out of the roster for the full season. Yeah. What happens to the Wild? And for me, what it came down to when I took Cam Talbot out, they became a whole lot worse. Especially when I think back, that would have meant we might have still had Dubnik. Um, mm-hmm. And the fans agreed. 175 uh, people picked Cam Talbot, 85% <laughs> of the votes. But it was Ian Cole in second with 21. Nick Benino got six. Uh, Nick Bukestead, three. And someone out there uh, did vote Marcus Johansson. We had one person vote. Hmm. <laughs> Marcus Johansson. So for the recap, Uh, uh, MVP, Kirill Kaprizov. Best goaltender, Cam Talbot. 
Best Leadership Qualities, Miko Koivu Award, Marcus Fellino. Derek Bugard Award, Most Consistently Bringing Energy and Hype, Marcus Fellino. Most Prolific Veteran, the Matt Cullen Award, Matt Zuccarello. Pierre Mac Bouchard Award for the Best Goal of the Year, Kirill Kaprizov Through the Legs Deke. Eric Stahl Award to the Most Improved Player, Jewel Erickson Eck. Nino Niederad Award for the Most Underrated Player, Nico Sturm. Rookie of the Year, Kirill Kaprizov. Brian Ralston Award, Best Non-Rookie, Cam Talbot. And the Martin Skula Award for the Players <laughs> Fans Low the Most, Victor Rask. Hmm. Any major surprises there, guys, for you? No, I think for the most part, how I yeah. would. Yeah, the only uh, the only thing I'm, uh, I mean, I guess it's not a surprise that the one was, you know, so I guess I'm still a little bit surprised that uh, Kaprizov didn't get all 206 votes, but yeah, no, nothing to, obviously, like you said, nothing to, uh, like, shocking. If I went through, I don't know, what can I look at? Uh, I think the one thing that kind of shocked me was the, the Brad Hunt write in. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, <laughs> weird. Might be the most, it, um, the biggest step backward, yeah. if you will. Um, it's true. Yeah. not impressive in the games that he did play, but I mm-hmm. remember the last time he played in a game. I think it was back in Arizona, like three months ago, because I remember he scored a goal, and then yeah, then it was that was it. So yeah, the only thing I would say is uh, next year uh, we should. Uh, should add an award for a best he- best lettuce or best hair. Oh yeah, a best hair. Award I can't believe it. Yeah, that that should we should do that. Best Have some dash. strong contenders. Yeah. <laughs> best, best facial hair, best commercial. best hair. Might be able to do mm-hmm. something like that. All yeah. right. Well, thanks again to everyone who uh, casted a vote. Uh, makes it a lot more fun when it's not just the three of us picking these winners. Um, although we did seem to pick in accordance with you guys for the most part, but um, there was some nice tight races in there and. Things like that. So uh, we'll try to do this every year. We may, uh, who knows, like Zeke said, we may add some new ones, change some ones around. But, you know, in future years, it could be a lot tighter race for some of these awards too. Yeah. Um, like for Rookie of the Year next year, it could be Marco Rossi. It could be Matt Boldy. Maybe Kellen Addison's in there. Um, mm-hmm. It could be, you know, so I'm hoping for some tighter races. But, uh, guys, any uh, final thoughts here before we wrap up uh, today's award show? Um, no, not much for me. Just, just like you said, too. Uh, just uh, again, thanks to everyone for participating. It's always great to when, when you all, you know, when we ever, and for polls, for our drafts, or for this, it's uh, we always really appreciate uh, the feedback and to have uh, 206 uh, of you, uh, you know, take the couple minutes or so, whatever, to fill out the ballot and vote. And this was uh, was pretty cool. So yeah, just thanks everyone for doing that. Uh, I just want to add, uh, I'm just excited to see if. Uh... Kaprizov can break the 50-point mark in the season. Got three points to go to do so. Um, what do you think of that, Soda Pod? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll be on the Soda Pod on Thursday night um, during their live show, so I will be sure to rub that in to yes. no avail on behalf of Sound the Foghorn. Don't right. you but I just want to say, yeah, just that's funny. But I do want to say thanks to everyone as well. It's uh, awesome having all the interaction and support. Uh, yeah, it, it makes it a lot more fun. Uh, final thought from me, uh, there won't be, our next show won't be, I believe we said it would be Monday, May 17th, I think is what we agreed on. 16th or something, yeah. Yeah, it'll be the 16th or 17th, which should be right around when the Wilds playoffs start. Um, nothing next week. I am going on a golf trip on Friday, 
and the Wild play Thursday and Wednesday. And we didn't think two games against Anaheim would warrant too much of a podcast to do either mm-hmm. uh, Monday or Tuesday next week. So about a week and a half off for us here as we ramp up uh, for the Wilds playoff run. As I mentioned, two home games against Anaheim tomorrow and Friday, and then they wrap up the season in St. Louis next Wednesday and Thursday. Um, so, And then I believe the playoffs are scheduled to start for the Wild around the 16th uh, or 17th. Um, as for one more final thought, should we talk, guys, about the, uh, the Tom Wilson situation? Yeah, I mean, we should probably just address it real quick. Because so. I had some thoughts. <laughs> First yeah, and foremost, how he got a slap on the wrist, $5,000 for one sucker punching a guy in the back of the head and then grabbing a star player by the hair, kicking his feet out and throwing him to the ice, inches away from slamming his head in the ice, potentially ending his life um, with the amount of force and, you know, a an unprotected head at the ice. I mean, it just so many things about that could have gone worse and they didn't thankfully, but, and to me, it wasn't even so much the actions that were mm-hmm. that rubbing the wrong. It's the fact that it was Tom Wilson again, going in way over his head. And then they cut to him in the penalty box, his Jersey off, like flexing. Like that just mm-hmm. shows me that's a guy that has mm-hmm. absolutely no remorse yeah. for what he did. And I, I tweeted out not too long after that all happened. I said, when is the NHL going to end Tom Wilson's career before he ends somebody else's? Because at this point, in me, it's it's going to happen. He's going to hit a guy too hard and be too out of control, and he's going to end someone's career. And I really do believe that until they mm-hmm. throw the book at him, which they just freaking won't do, and it's really frustrating yeah. because yeah. the type of shit he pulls, it just it doesn't have any place in this league. And I just think, uh, you know, the, the funny thing is that on, on TSN and Insider Trading Day, they went, well, he, him and Ovechkin reached out to Panarin to make sure it's okay. And they're like, oh, so, and they're going, so he's not the bad guy everyone makes him out to be. It's like, you know, like Russo said on his podcast today, like when he does it the same damn thing so many times over and over again, he does not care if he hurts people. And I was, you know, like the other thing that I just kind of thought of was that, you know, some people's explanation that he didn't spend, but it's like, well, there's no precedence for that situation. It's then like, set the it's precedent. Like, yeah. It's like, so like, so what are you going to do? Like if he hits his head and, and cracks his head open is seriously hurt or, or, you know, or got a bit worse, like what are you going to go? Oh, there's, there's no precedent for that. Like it's, it's it's ridiculous and you know i i can maybe understand you know them not wanting to uh want the team to speak out against the league like that but i find it funny how some people are going well you can't criticize the, the department of player safety or, or the people in the league or the officials or any of that because they're doing the best they can it's like it's like yeah you you can criticize them because when they show constantly time and time again that there's the, the disregard for the say actual safety of the players then there, it's well worth to criticize them, and the fact that, like Brett said, Tom Wilson gets five thousand dollars, which to a, a professional athlete like them is like a fifty to hundred dollar fine for anyone else for like a parking ticket or something or a speeding ticket, and then the you know not not that the Rangers are fine, but the fact that they get you know five times that for you know for, for calling them out on their BS, like it doesn't, it's just and a very well written statement at that too. Yeah, it was. It was great, and, 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 you know, it was good. It was great to see that someone, uh, you know, actually for once stood up and, and said something and was, you know, willing to stand up to the NHL. Because, I mean, you know, I think, you know, Batman, I think, is just, he's just like the, the, the lawyer of the owners. Like, he just, what the owners tell you. But 
just you see over and over again all the crap that they've had with with this and with the denying of concussions and brain issues like you know it's not all terrible but the, it's just like the, sometimes they just need to stop pretending like they care about you know the safety of players that much and also the fact that you know they were probably happy that all that line brawl and all the fighting happened last night because for some reason some they still like that and it's just it's you know you just wish that they would you know show that they care actually care more about you know the players that they they have so for those not familiar with the situation here, quick. Um, basically, there was a kind of a scrum out in front of the net. Uh, Rangers Capitals, Pavel Buchnevich got knocked over. He's kind of laying on the ice. And for some unknown reason, Tom Wilson comes and sucker punches him in the head. Artemi Panarin's like, hey, that's kind of fucked up. And he kind of went in, jumped on Wilson as any player would. Um, and then, like, things kind of break up. And then Wilson comes back, grabs Panarin's hair, pulls him to the ice with his helmet off. He nearly hits his head on the ice. NHL goes and basically slap on the wrist, gives him a $5,000 fine. Um, Rangers put out a statement that says, basically, we believe George Peros, the head of player safety, is no longer fit to continue in his role, which pretty much everyone and their mother uh, is in agreement with. And then um, at the start of the next game, which would have been last night, Rangers-Capitals, uh, there were seven fights in the first, I think it was like seven and a half minutes of the game, including three off the opening faceoff. So. That very well could have been avoided. I'm I'm all for fighting, like justified fighting. Yeah, like you know last night. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that whole six, seven fights could have been avoided if they just would have done the right thing, suspended Wilson, and the fact that Buchnevich just got fined more than or was it fined or suspended? I can't I remember. I believe he got a one game suspension. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Yep. The fact that he got suspended and Tom Wilson then is just. Lighting, like throwing gasoline on a, a dumpster fire, is just the de- department of peril sucks. Is just not good. Yeah, and I just I think it's funny too how they got a guy who I mean I don't know, but they got a guy who was literally an enforcer in his NHL career, had over eleven hundred penalty minutes in four hundred ten games, and he was suspended like six or seven times yeah, himself too. He was, and it's like, and that's the guy they. But I mean, again, I don't know everything, so I, I guess I want to be a little more fair, but yeah, it just doesn't make sense because. You know, even if Tom Wilson, you know, I think we would all agree that he probably should have gotten suspended several games or or a really long time. But even if he would have gotten uh, one game, they would have avoided that yep. whole thing. But like I said, I think uh, some of the people who run the league, some of the people who were, you know, have been around for a while, I think they, you know, for whatever reason, they like all that unnecessary violence and the huge brawls. So it's, it's yeah, it's silly. And of course, Wilson is the rep for the Caps. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, on top, to add icing on top of all that, both uh, Matt Cook and John Scott, two noted goons and cheap players, <laughs> came out and said, yeah, what he did was kind of messed up. And player safety not doing anything is kind of a joke. If Matt Cook is speaking out against you, you fucked up. All right? Yep. <laughs> so I wanted to address that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen wild players suspended for doing – I mean, Kevin Fiala got three games doing a whole lot less. Susie was given a do like a good one game, but it just seems there's just a sheer lack of consistency. Like basically, like goal interference and suspensions, I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. they just spin a wheel. Yeah, pretty much. Because it, it just doesn't it doesn't seem like there's any set criteria anymore, and that I think from a fan standpoint, and I would assume from a player team standpoint, has to be the most frustrating part is what can and can't we do? Because at this point, with the inconsistency, we just don't know anymore. Yeah. Right. And I think uh, the well, my uh, the meme year that you made with the uh, you know best I can do is five thousand dollars fine. Yeah. 
perfect representation of that. Yeah, the, the, the Pawn Stars <laughs> meme. <laughs> Much like uh, the wild, you know, the floor is lava. Or the floor is oh, yeah. lava. By Gola. <laughs> Which, hey, they've since allowed me no longer to be able to use that one. But I know. Yeah. yeah. That one's it's true. I've used that one plenty as of late. So. All right. Well, we've got an hour and a half today, but that's all right. Um, with no show the next week and a half, that people want to split this into two, they could probably do that. Yep. Um, which you know, maybe I'll even do that. Nah, that's too much work. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do this one show. But uh, before we sign off, gentlemen, uh, remind everyone where they can find you. Well, you can find me on Twitter as usual at zbwildnation underscore hw, and you can find my written work at hockeywilderness.com. You can find me at deeast2004. You can find me at caprisovc, the caprisov countdown, where I've been firing off a few memes. And then you can find me at mnw prospects at wild prospects and young players, which is slowing down a little bit, but continue to follow because once seasons pick up again, we'll ramp things up. So, all right. Yeah. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you're following the uh, podcast account, both on Twitter and Instagram at sound the foghorn, all one word. Uh, one more reminder, our next show will not be until it'll be either May 16th or 17th. Uh, depends. Uh, it'll be one of those two days right around when the wild kick off the playoffs. So no show next week. So uh, enjoy Enjoy a week and a half off from our voices and just watching wild hockey, taking in the good weather, all those good things. But until then, this has been another episode of Salmon.